0: of Jamal About Sports. Happy New Year, everybody. January 3rd, 2018. Kicking us off was uh, Changes by the band Sugar, frontman Bob Mould, formerly of Hoosker Du, and also uh, did some solo work as well. Uh, thought the song would be apropos since there have been lots of changes, Or there will be lots of changes in the head coaching ranks in the NFL, as there always are this time of year. Black Monday a couple of days ago. And uh, if you hear a little frog in my voice, uh, apologies in advance. Battling a nasty cold. uh, But we play hurt here on Jamal About Sports. So uh, we will power through. Probably doesn't help the fact that it's been about 10 degrees (laughs) every day for the last about 10 days. But... um, in any event, big show to get to We've got, uh, as we said, NFL Talk about the jobs <coughs> Excuse me, that are open Which, uh, which jobs we think are the, the better ones Of course, my Lions are part of that mix The Giants as well Indianapolis, Chicago, Arizona, and Oakland uh, We'll talk about some of the games this weekend That ended up having playoff implications Then we'll get into the college A Rose Bowl for the ages as part of the playoff, Uh, the Sugar Bowl less so, Uh, and then also um, the Peach Bowl, which featured UCF, University of Central Florida, defeating Auburn, which uh, is an interesting story as well. But we start with the NFL, and uh, as we said, Black Monday has come and gone. Six jobs open up now in the NFL. So there's a, a lot to unpack here. Um, I think there is much a story as the jobs that didn't become open uh, that uh, like Cleveland, for instance, Hugh Jackson, won and 31 in two years there. Um, now, I understand they made a GM change. Uh, They brought in John Dorsey, got rid of Sashi Brown, somehow Paul rather I don't know why I can never pronounce that guy's name right, formerly in the front office of the Mets. Uh, As far as I know, he's still employed there. But John Dorsey made it very clear that he's laid all of Cleveland's ineptitude at the doorstep of the previous front office regime, which begs the question, what is Paul Podesta, who's a baseball guy, still doing in the front office? Um... But in any event, no idea how Hugh Jackson still has a job. Now, I'm not saying Hugh Jackson's a terrible coach. He did okay with the Raiders. He's known as a good coordinator uh, with uh, Cincinnati. Um, but not, you know, listen, 1-31 is 1-31. And I've seen Cleveland play a few times. Obviously, I watched them against the Lions this year. I've watched a bunch of their guys. I saw them against the Jets. I watched them this past Sunday against uh, the Steelers. They are not without talent. Uh, John Dorsey can rip the previous regime all he wants. And I'm not saying this is a great team, but that's not an 0-16 team. They, they should have won a few games this year. Now, they found every which way in the book to lose these games. I get it. Um, but at some point, the coaching staff has to be held accountable. So surprised that Hugh Jackson still has a job. Surprised a little bit more of Lewis is back. Fifteen years in Cincinnati, he's the second longest tenure coach in the NFL behind Belichick. Seven years in the playoffs, no playoff wins. Now, granted, when he took the job, Cincinnati job was not a good job. And he's gotten them to respectability. You know, they're basically around ten and six, seven and nine, eight and eight. Now they're in that realm. Uh now, you know, look couple of mitigating factors, you know, the first time they made the playoffs way back, and I think it was 05, Carson Palmer got knocked out of the game with a knee injury. That's back when he was a stud. You know, sort of ruined any chance of them beating the Steelers in that game. Uh, Dalton got hurt a couple of years ago. Andy Dalton, the current quarterback, they had to start a backup. So they've had some issues. You know, a couple of things that popped up. But last year's meltdown against the Steelers, where they had all of those Personal foul penalties and all that stuff that went on. I mean, that doesn't reflect well on the head coach. I'm sorry. And again, I'm not saying more of a loser, bad coach. He's a good coach. But again, 15 years. I mean, that's a long time. But listen, we, anybody who follows the NFL knows Mike Brown, the owner slash you know president, uh, GM, whatever. He kind of runs the show there in Cincinnati. He, he likes to do things his way. So. Uh, I guess it should not be that much of a surprise that Marvin Lewis is back. Um, Which brings us to, so I'm surprised both those jobs are still, uh, didn't make a change. I'm also surprised the Redskins didn't make a change. Jay Gruden's been there four years. They made the playoffs once, didn't win a playoff game. They certainly regressed this year. Now, I understand the Redskins had a ton of injuries this year. And the whole Kirk Cousins situation is not his fault. That's the that's the front office's issue with, you know, neglecting to give him a long-term deal. You know, they offered him one. Cousins turned it down. He's playing on the franchise, uh, you know, tender, making a ton of dough. You know my feelings on Kirk Cousins. I made him, for anybody who's listening. you know, or anyone that hasn't, if it's your first time, here's my thing on Kirk Cousins. It's just good enough to get you beat. Right, throws a pretty deep ball, puts up big numbers, crumbles late in the fourth quarter of, of games, and will put up nice statistics that don't amount to winning. Now he's still young enough, I guess, really twenty nine, and maybe in the right situation, another team, he may become more successful. Um, I'm not a big Kirk Cousins guy, so surprised that John Gruden is uh, Jay Gruden rather still in uh, Washington. But let's get to the jobs that have opened up. Now, we'll start with my Lions. So, Jim Caldwell out. Um, The search begins. They've already interviewed their current defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin, who's interviewed for several jobs the last couple of years. Apparently, he was a runner up to Dan Quinn in Atlanta a couple of years ago. They also interviewed their current offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter. Now, I don't know that that if that's more than just sort of window dressing, uh, a courtesy because they are under contract um, still, and you know Matthew Stafford made it very clear publicly that he would like Cooter to return as his offensive coordinator, um, and uh, you know I can't say I blame him. Stafford's numbers have been uh, amazing, really, since uh, Cooter's taken over now. As you know, I've criticized Cooter for uh, what I deem to be a very conservative game plan. I want to believe, anyway, especially if he's retained as the offensive coordinator. By the way, there's no chance he's getting the head job. But um, I'd like to believe that if he does uh, re- remain as the offensive coordinator, and Bob Quinn, the Lions GM, has said, look, I'm more the most important thing right now is getting a head coach. Now, if that new head coach... Decides that he wants to keep Cooter, we could talk about that. And that's fair. You can't do the Larry David and foist, okay, Jim Bob Cooter or any other assistant on the new head coach. You got to let the new head coach bring his own staff in. Okay, the Mets don't know this, by the way. They do this all the time. But it seems like Bob Quinn understands this, which is a good sign. Um, but Stafford's numbers under Cooter, I'm going to try and pull it up in a second. Uh, in 41 games, since, hold on. The numbers are stark. It's 41 games pre and 41 games post. And let's see. I think I found what the splits are. And look, Stafford is good enough, and he's been around long enough, that if he has to get adapt to a new coordinator, I don't think it'll be a big deal. Here you go. In a 41 games with Cooter... Stafford's completed 66% of his passes, 73 touchdowns to only 24 interceptions, and a QB rating, whatever, if you buy into that stuff, of 98, which is very good. In the 41 games prior, (laughs) nice voice, Jamal. Sorry, guys. The 41 games prior to that, Stafford had completed 60% of his passes for 66 touchdowns. So the touchdowns, not a huge spread, right? Seven. But the completion percentage significantly higher at sixty-six to sixty, and then forty-two interceptions. Right? So a big drop in interceptions from forty two to twenty-four. Now, a lot of that can be probably linked to the fact that the, the game plan's a little bit more conservative than in than prior to Cooter. <coughs> Excuse me. But To be fair, this year, particularly the second half of the season, the Lions did open it up a lot more, and and Stafford completed a lot more downfield passes. To wit, Marvin Jones had his best year as as a Lion, his best year in the NFL. He had 1,100 yards on only 61 catches for an average of 18 yards a catch. Um, So, you know, they did throw the ball downfield a lot more this year. Golden Tate had a 71-yard touchdown uh, on Sunday against Green Bay. So, um, I think they did open it up a lot more in the second half. So, we'll see. But in any event, getting back to the Lions' job. Um, you know, last year we ranked the jobs in terms of what we thought were the good jobs. I said I thought Jacksonville was a sneaky good job. Turns out I was right. Marone's done a good job there. They're in the playoffs. I thought the Bills was a sneaky good job. Turns out I was right. They're in the playoffs. I said the Chargers was a sneaky good job. Now they didn't make the playoffs, but they went nine and seven, and they had had they had a, a, a even competent field goal kicker, they would have probably won eleven games. So, um, and the reason I liked, the, you know, we'll go back. The reasons I liked all those jobs. Reason I liked Jacksonville was because of the defense. I thought it was getting better, and I thought if they could get a coach in there that could get Blake Bortles to play better. Excuse me. That might be a good job. Bills, I think Tyrod Taylor is better than even their own new head coach thinks he is after he benched them that one time. And they gave up 50 points to the Chargers, and the guy that replaced them, Nathan Peterman, threw five interceptions in the first half. <laughs> um, but I also thought the Bills' defense was good, and I thought it was miscast playing in a 3 4 under Rex Ryan. They're back to playing a 4 3 under Sean McDermott. And they're, they live and die on turnovers, but they've gotten a bunch of turnovers this year. You know, uh, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, who's an excellent free agent signing from the Packers, really good player out of Iowa, typical Iowa player, really smart, tough. Um, and their rookie, Tredavious uh, White, uh, out of LSU, who a lot of people thought was the most pro-ready corner, uh, had a tremendous year. He's probably going to be Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, but in any event, so with that in mind, I, I would rank the new openings as follows. And I'll give you my reasons for each one. First of all, I think they're all pretty good jobs. Um, you want to look at three factors when you evaluate what's a good potential head coaching job in the NFL. Number one, In my mind, anyway, the criteria is, does the team have a quarterback? Number two, is ownership, is it good ownership? Is it stable? Is it supportive? Um, And number three, at least initially, is what kind of cap space does the team have? So, And that's, you know, look, that's, that's something that can change within, from year to year. Um, but so if you're going to use those criteria, and really the, the first two are the most important, and that's the quarterback and ownership. And actually, and when I say cap space, it's really also GM. It's really GM. right? Quarterback, GM, and cap space is a part of the GM's job and ownership. So the Lions have the quarterback. Ownership may not have been competent uh, as far as wins and losses are concerned, but as an employee of the Fords, it's a good place to go. They're loyal. Um, I mean, look, Schwartz got five years, Caldwell got four, You and know, in, in today's NFL, those are not uh, quick triggers. Now, it's a little bit different because Martha Firestone Ford has taken over since the passing of her husband, and she's no spring chicken. So, you know, she may not be around in the next five years. Let's just, you know, I hope she is, but she may not be. She's, I believe, 92. Um, but, or maybe 90 anyway. She's, she's old. Anyway, in any event. But the fact remains that they treat their employees well and they don't have uh, itchy trigger fingers. And then you'd think, you know, look, Bob Quinn is largely unproven. He's only been in the job for two years. But, you know, people around the league seem to like him. Ernie Accorsi sort of guided him in Detroit's direction. He's got the New England pedigree. I think like the Lions job. And, again, this is a team that just went 9-7. and seven. A couple of breaks here or there. They could have been a playoff team, 10-6, and 11-5 easily. Um, and uh, so I think that's a very good job. And Stafford's 30. I'd say the second best job is probably... Well, it depends right, so between the Giants in the Chicago, Arizona, and Oakland, I mean the Giants they have a quarterback, but they have an old quarterback, but it's a great organization right, and solid ownership now, I know the Giants had a miserable year this year, and the whole benching of Eli and unrest and the dissension in the locker room it was just a horrible year, and they probably should have never hired Bob McAdoo, but he uh you know he's gone, Jerry Reese is gone. Um, this new Dave Gettleman, the new GM, seems like he's, he knows what he's talking about. It seems like he knows what he's doing. I think the Giants job is still a very good job. Plus, they've got the second pick in the draft. I think Eli, if you surround him, you finally fixed that offensive line. You got OBJ coming back this year. Shepard showed a lot of promise. Ingram showed a lot of promise. You get him a stud running back and you build up that offensive line. I think Eli still has playing left to at least be a playoff team, and then you draft a guy. If you love Darnold you love Rosen, you draft him and you let him sit for a year, maybe even two. It'd be a great job. The Colts is interesting because if luck comes back, it's a good job. If luck doesn't come back, it's a terrible job. Well, I shouldn't say terrible. I think Jacoby Brissett can be a quarterback, in this, a good quarterback in the NFL. <coughs> Excuse me. But if luck comes back, And plays at the level that we expect him to play at, that becomes a much better job. Chicago, that's probably the least attractive. I understand they have what they think is a quarterback in the future in Trubisky, and he showed some promise this year, but he's still largely unproven. Guy started one year in college for North Carolina. The Oakland job is interesting. Seems like John Gruden's going to get that job, which, you know, listen, the last time that guy coached was 2008. I understand he puts a lot of film work in because of his job on Monday Night Football. Um, it seems like a lazy hire to me, frankly. You know, he was the coach there before. I mean, the guy, I understand he had, he had, look, I looked at his record the other day. He had a couple of very good years with Oakland. They did get screwed in the, in the, the tuck rule game, no question. Um, he did win a Super Bowl with Tampa the year after he left the Raiders when they basically had the whole Raiders playbook. Um, he had a couple good years in Tampa. and had a couple really bad years in Tampa also. Never developed a quarterback there. You know, he won with Brad Johnson as his quarterback against a Rich Gannon-led Raiders team. You know, it's not like he beat Tom Brady or even Ben Roethlisberger or any other really good quarterback. And you could say, oh, well, you know, he won with Brad Johnson. Kudos for that. Well, I guess, yeah. But, again, you know, he thought Sean King was the next guy. He never turned out to be the next guy. Let's say he was a bad coach. But, you know, this idea that he's some legendary coach is crazy. And, again, it's been 10 years since he last coached the NFL. But, anyway, that job could be a good job because they've got Derek Carr. Now, again, the Raiders. By the way, I was a little surprised the Raiders let Jack Del Rio go after only three years. They were 12-4 and four last year. And, yes, they lost the playoff game because Carr got hurt. They probably would have wiped the field with Houston last year if Carr would have played. And he was banged up again this year. And I understand they had issues on defense and they had to change coordinators in the middle of the year. It was a bad year for them. I get it. But, you know, after one, one year removed from 12-4, and four, you get rid of the guy? Seems strange. But I think that's a good job. Arizona is interesting because Carson Palmer just announced his retirement. They need a quarterback in the worst way. The rest of the pieces on that team are pretty good. They're going to have David Johnson coming back, one of the best running backs in the NFL. Larry Fitzgerald, I don't know if he's going to retire or not, but he still he had over 100 catches this year. guy is a, a physical marvel, just keeps going. And they've got a lot of good pieces on defense. So they, that's an interesting scenario to see if they dip into the free agent pool here with maybe a Kirk Cousins or Teddy Bridgewater or Case Keenum, three of the most highly touted uh, free agent quarterbacks available. So if I had to rank it, I'd say Lions 1, Giants 2, Indy 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 3, that Luck is going to be back and playing at his level, Oakland 4, Arizona 5, and Chicago 6. And, you know, it's interesting, Coming back to the lines a little bit. Look, Jim Caldwell, I've said it all year, he's a good man. He's a decent man. The players loved him. Sometimes that's a little bit of a problem, maybe. And he was was far from a disaster. Four years, three out of the four years, they had winning records. Two back-to-back nine and sevens, a seven and nine. And the first year was his apex at 11 and five. And probably should have beaten the Cowboys in a playoff game. Got screwed with the no-call, with the picking up the flag, rather. But again, in that game, after that play, when faced with a 4th and 1 on the other side of the 50, rather than, you know, go for it and be aggressive, he decided to punt. Now, I understand it wasn't his fault the punter decided to rip off a 10-yard punt there. But, you know, I've talked about it a million times. Look, a really good guy and not a bad coach. Just not the guy to bring them to the next level. And that's what the GM said. Look, we had problems beating the really good teams. Like they were four and twenty-three against teams with winning records. That's not very good. They never won a division in four years. You know? And seemingly the division was there for the taking this year with Aaron Rodgers going down. Now the Vikings sort of threw a monkey wrench into that by playing very well on defense and Case Keenum came out of nowhere. Play really well. By the way, can we stop with Kirk uh, putting Sam Bradford in the same sentence as Aaron Rodgers? I keep reading and hearing that. Oh well, in the season where both Aaron Rodgers and Sam Bradford went down for the year, who cares about Sam Bradford? Guy isn't any good. He's never done anything in this league. And Case Keenum played better than he ever played for them anyway. Who cares Sam Bradford? Please. I mean, nobody's gotten by more on reputation and their draft status because he's a former number one overall pick than Sam Bradford. He hasn't done any, first of all, he's always hurt, always. And when he's played, he's been okay. So stop uh, putting him in the same category, you know, the fact that he got hurt in the same category as Aaron Rodgers getting hurt. The Packers are a stinky team without Aaron Rodgers, as they showed this year. The Vikings have always, have, have, since Mike Zimmer's been there, have had a very good defense and a good running game. Completely separate things. Just because both are starting quarterbacks in the same division has nothing to do with one another. So, listen. Quinn is putting his neck out on the line here, supposedly. But I love it. I love the, uh, I don't even think it's a big risk, but I just, I love the fact that his mindset is nine and seven is not good enough. And if you watch the Lions every week, like I do, you can see there's just something missing. It's hard to put your finger on it. I think the easiest way to say it is that there's just an overall lack of aggressiveness that is at odds with the best player on a team who's the quarterback, um, in the way Caldwell coached. You know, yes, there was the nine men on the field, the ten men on the field, a couple of lapses. And it looks really bad, and it is really bad. Um, but for the most part, this was a well-prepared team. For the most part, this team played very hard. They cut down a lot of the dumb penalties from years prior. They did a lot of good things. He did, just not a lot of great things, or really no great things. And that ultimately is the bottom line. So, look, I think Jim Caldwell, I think any organization in the NFL, there should be a place for a guy like Jim Caldwell. He's a fine man. He's a good football coach. And any organization would be happy to have him in some capacity, whether it be in the front office, a position coach, a coordinator, whatever. I think any organization would be better for having a guy like Jim Caldwell as part of it. He's just not a great head coach. That's all. All right, we'll take a short break. We'll be back right after this. Here on the first show of 2018 on Jamal About Sports. That, of course, Gone, Daddy Gone by the Violent Femmes, which I believe was later covered by Gnarls Barkley, uh, which contained uh, CeeLo Green. And it seems like that was about five minutes ago, but somehow I think that was in like 2000 or 2001, which is scary. All right, we're back here playing Hurt. Trying to power through again. I apologize about the uh, the hoarse voice. So, probably the most interesting story over the weekend, as far as the NFL and the playoffs are concerned, was what happened in Cincinnati, or sorry, in Baltimore, between the Bengals and the Ravens, and then ultimately the Bills. So, the scenario was simple uh, for a couple of teams: Titans win and they're in, and they did. They beat Jacksonville. Um, The Ravens just needed to beat the Bengals at home to make the playoffs. And the Bills needed to win and then get some help um, in the form of the Ravens losing to the Bengals. So that Bengals-Ravens game, um, you know, look, uh, (laughs) we talked about it last week. You had... um, The Bengals had been outscored 67-14 in back-to-back weeks against the Vikings and the Bears. Then they played the Lions. They beat the Lions. Uh, But, you know, again, there were still rumors swirling Marvin Lewis was going to be back. It was not going to be back. Um, People pretty much said that, you know, the the Bengals had, had, you know, mailed it in. They showed against the Lions. They hadn't. Um, And then, listen, if I were a Ravens fan, that game would have scared the hell out of me because it's a division game. And what you see... Now, in the NFL, and this has been the case for a while, even if a team is supposedly bad, they have a bad record, when they play division team and they have the ability to to ruin a a division opponent's season, these guys play. They play. They know. And they play hard. And the Bengals wanted nothing more than to ruin the Ravens' season, and They did. You know They went up early. The Ravens, to their credit, battled back in that game. It was 17-10, and I thought this was going to put the Ravens away. And to their credit, they they came back. So Flacco's driving them down the field. He hits one of the receivers dead in the hands on like a slant route that would have given him a first and 10 at about, I think, like the 10-yard line of Cincinnati. So they're in the red zone. Instead, the ball bounces out of his hands, goes into Darkwood's, Denard's uh, uh, hands, D back for the Bengals, and he returns it for a touchdown. 14 point swing. So instead of 17 7, they're now down 24 10. To their credit, the Ravens battled back, took a 27 24 lead late in that game. Had uh, the Ravens, rather, took a lead 27 24 late. Had the Bengals at 4th and 12 from midfield with under a minute left. With under a minute left. Fourth and 12 gave up a touchdown to Tyler Boyd with 44 seconds left. Absolute killer. I mean, they got the ball back. They got a sack. You know, they completed a couple short passes. They never really threatened. I mean, an absolute killer. So, again, you know, these must, these games you should win. And I get it. Look, the Lions didn't win. Against good teams But you don't take any wins in the NFL for granted You know I mean the Patriots for all their greatness Can can you name me one good team That's been in their division Since they've been on this run since 2000 Can you name me one Can you name me one other team in the AFC East That's been a formidable opponent Year in and year out That's been a real threat to the Patriots Can you name one The Bills No No The Dolphins, certainly not, and certainly not the Jets. I mean, have each of those teams had a little pocket here or there where they've had a nice season or two? Yeah, but not on a consistent basis. And as we've pointed out many times on the show, Brady has never had to deal with a top-flight quarterback in that division since he's been in the league, never. So you do not take wins for granted in the NFL, and the Cincinnati-Baltimore game is uh, proof positive of that. And so the nice little uh, sort of uh, consequence out of this is, I guess, apparently Andy Dalton, the quarterback for the Bengals, has a has a son who has um, uh, some kind of a malady. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I think he was born with some sort of a birth defect, and so he started a foundation to raise money for research and a cure. Um, and uh, so I guess a lot of Bills fans. Um, as of yesterday, the number was 175 grand had donated money to, to Dalton's uh, foundation and his charity as a thank you for him beating the Ravens and putting the Bills in the playoffs. By the way, for the first time since the Music City Miracle where they lost on that lateral, Frank Wycheck from Maryland, by the way, to Kevin Dyson uh, back in 2000. So, uh, Bills fans went absolutely nuts You know, and that's another example So the Bills played the Dolphins The Dolphins didn't even start Jake it. They started David Fales, Who was an undrafted free agent Out of Fresno State Who went to, uh, was on the Bears for a while um, Was bounced around the league They started him on Sunday And, you know, the Bears The Dolphins, rather, were up 19-3 I think in that game And, and the, the, um I'm sorry, the Bills were up 19-3 on the Dolphins. And the Dolphins battled back and made that a game. Again, division opponent. Even with a a third string, ostensibly quarterback. You know, they want to knock them out. So, uh, but congratulations to the Bills for getting that done. Um, If you're Baltimore or Baltimore fan, you have to be sick to your stomach. Brutal loss. And um, so away we go. We've got um, Tennessee versus Buffalo. We've got—actually, uh, I didn't really talk anything about the NFC playoff picture. So Atlanta needed a win to get in, and they did. They had Carolina at home. Wasn't pretty. Five Matt Bryant field goals and one touchdown. Got it done. Cam Newton had the worst game of the season. Uh, had a stinker. So uh, New Orleans will now play Carolina in New Orleans. Atlanta will play the Rams in uh, L.A. Um, with obviously Minnesota and Philly getting buys, <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and then the Chiefs will play Tennessee, who, by, by the way, how Tennessee is in the playoffs is, is beyond me. I mean, they have a minus turnover ratio for the year. I believe they're minus three. The quarterback's thrown more interceptions and touchdowns This Marcus Mariota. And there's another thing, by the way. Um, NFL Network. I know. I know you guys are always trying to be positive and, and trying to build up young players. I get that. And I'm not saying Mariota is a bad quarterback. I, I, I would say the grade on him is is is, is uh, supremely incomplete at this point, uh, which makes sense. I mean, he's only been in the league a couple of years. But stop. Uh, pointing out the fact that he only has one red zone interception in his uh, career okay because what that means is from the 20 yard line or in but so if you're at the 24 yard line and you throw an interception in the end zone that doesn't count technically as a red zone interception well who cares that's stupid it's still a terrible turnover in scoring position and I've seen him do that many times so uh, enough already with that idiotic statistic it's meaningless Stop throwing it up then. The TV does it all the time, too. They love to put post that stat. It's a meaningless statistic. Um, Mariota did not have a very good year for them. He did have a big uh, third-down conversion run. You know, he can run the ball. He's very mobile. Um, uh, in that game against Jacksonville. And, you know... Tennessee's pointing to the fact that they beat Kansas City in Kansas City last year. Kansas City's surprisingly three and six uh, in home playoff games in their last nine. Um, I'm not buying it. I'm going in early on the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs, not I think, the Chiefs will win that game uh, against the Titans this weekend. As a matter of fact, let's see what the schedule is. I got to look at that again. Uh, NFL. Schedule. Let's see if the great ESPN. Oh, it's amazing. They actually have it. All right, <clears throat> you got Tennessee at Kansas City the early game on Saturday at four four twenty actually, and then Atlanta at LA uh, in the nightcap. And on Sunday, you got Buffalo at Jacksonville at one, and Carolina New Orleans at four or four forty rather. So uh, you would expect the weather to be pretty chilly in Kansas City. Uh, obviously LA, the weather should probably be pretty good. Jacksonville, you know, normally it'd be pretty good, although with this massive uh cold snap, it's hitting the whole East Coast. Could be kind of chilly down there in Jacksonville, but it shouldn't be an issue for Buffalo, but could be an issue for Jacksonville. And then Carolina, New Orleans, it's obviously in a dome, so weather will not obviously be a factor there. Um so if I had to pick right now, and I you know, I I hate I do not want to pick all the home teams because you know what? I'm going to go Kansas. I'm going to I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm going to take Atlanta. I just and I know there's really no good reason for this other than the fact that they were obviously in the Super Bowl last year. It's been a slog for them this year. They've been very inconsistent. Um, the Rams are you know the new it girl in the NFL now, and Jared Goff and the whole nine yards and the handsome new 31 year old head coach and you know. And the high-flying offense. And Todd Gurley, who is great. But, you know, it's a young team, obviously. It's Goff's second year. Um, There's no real home field advantage playing in L.A. It's one of the worst sports towns ever. (laughs) And uh, no offense, Justin. And uh, so, I mean, it's not like going into Kansas City or or New Orleans. That's for sure. So I'm going to take Atlanta in that game. And then in the Sunday games, you know, I'd love to see Buffalo Beach, Jacksonville. <clears throat> it all depends on if LaShawn McCoy is healthy. They're running back for the Bills. I don't know yet. They haven't announced it. So I'm going to actually hold off on the game. If McCoy is healthy, I'm going to actually take Buffalo. If not, I'll take Jacksonville. And then I will take the Saints at home against Carolina since I have the Saints going to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. All right, moving on. Uh college we had some we had a great great game in the rose bowl between georgia uh my bulldogs and uh, oklahoma the other team i really liked all year this year but before we get to that i want to talk about university of central florida beating auburn right so university UCF finished their year undefeated I read earlier that They've decided to basically anoint themselves National champions uh, Danny White, the athletic director Is going to give the coaches bonuses Based on the fact that they won the national championship Which I find is, uh, It's hilarious um, I love it I think it's great They're basically you know, uh, Throwing up the one finger salute To the, the college football playoff committee And you know what? Good for them Good for them. I mean, look, they beat Auburn. Auburn beat Georgia, and Auburn beat Alabama this year. The two teams playing for the national championship. And if UCF at the end of this whole thing isn't at war, isn't ranked third, I mean, not that it's, I guess it's of little solace to them. Uh, it shouldn't be. That's still a great accomplishment. For Consider this UCF was 0 12 two years ago. 0 12. Just two years ago. Scott Frost, there might not be a better job coaching football than what Scott Frost did there. And now look, he's on his way to Nebraska. We talked about that in an earlier show. He's an alum. He played there. Tom Osborne, you know, gives you the sirens call. You're gonna take it. I get it. But by the way, kudos to he to him and his staff. He's taking his whole staff from Central Florida with him to Nebraska. Every single one of those guys stuck around and worked and practiced. They basically did two jobs for two weeks and then coached the bowl game and beat Auburn. Good for them. He's a class act and a hell of a coach. And that Shaquem Griffin... Who we also talked about earlier The outside linebacker with one hand All he did against Auburn was have 12 tackles A sack and a half And like two pass breakups Guy was everywhere Made huge play after huge play That guy, that kid could play for me any day I'd love to see him on the Lions next year That guy left it all out on the field he got, un- Unbelievable Unbelievable Everywhere Guy was all over the field and you know what? Let's take a look because I have to admit, I did not give UCF any consideration for being part of the college football playoff. I, like everybody else, fell into the old, uh, you know, power conference teams. Look, I watched them beat the crap out of Maryland this year. Now, I understand Maryland wasn't any good. But that was when Maryland still had their quarterback And they knocked him out of the game And then the second the quarterback From Maryland went out of the game UCF went absolutely nuts So um, You know Look, give them credit They Were the ones That knocked Uh Kasim Hill out of the game. All right. I'm going to take a look at their schedule right now. All right. They beat. All right. Florida International, who, look, not great, right? Um, but I believe that's Lane Kiffin's team. Right? They made a bowl game. They crushed them, 61-17. Then they had two weeks. Then they couldn't play for two weeks because of the hurricane. Okay? Then they played Maryland. In Maryland, one thirty-eight to 10 That's a big 10 team. It's a power five team. I get it. It's Maryland. We weren't any good. But they still went and whomped a Big Ten team at their place. Then they stomped on Memphis 40-13. Memphis, a good team, made a ball. Killed Cincinnati 51-23. Cincinnati's not very good. Killed East Carolina 63-21. East Carolina's not any good. They beat Navy 31-21. Okay, Navy, not a great year for Navy, but they did make a bowl game. Austin P, that's a joke. They beat SMU. SMU made a bowl game. Destroyed UConn. Ugon's not any good. They beat Temple badly, forty-five nineteen. Temple not great, made a bowl game. Then they, they beat USF uh in a conference uh game to get no, it wasn't a conference game, just to get to forty uh just to, to get into their conference championship. In that amazing game we talked about USF is a very good team They won their bowl game over Texas Tech And then they, they beat Memphis Who then ended up being ranked 20th In their college in their conference championship game 62-55 Okay, so look <coughs> Excuse me, I get it The American Athletic Conference isn't, isn't the Big Ten And it's not the ACC And it's not the SEC And it's not, I guess, the Pac-12 But it's not as bad as you think Which, again, all it does, all this does is basically further underscore the fact that four teams is not enough. Because if UCF can beat Auburn, who beat both teams playing in the national championship, but there's not a spot for them in a playoff, something's wrong. That's it. Plain and simple. I want to hear about their schedule because, again, everybody loved Auburn, loved them. Even though they have three losses and now four, but whatever. So, you know, look, everyone said before there's no way you can have a playoff. We have a playoff now, four teams. Then everybody said, well, it can only be four teams. That's ridiculous, too. should probably be eight. You could even make an argument for 16. So, kudos and congratulations to UCF. It's fantastic. And now that Rose Bowl game was unbelievable between Georgia and Oklahoma. You know, it's very rare. Everybody, of course, and rightfully so, excited for the game, a lot of hype leading up to it. But oftentimes the hype never really matches. I'm sorry, the performance on the field never really matches the hype. Well, this is one of those rare instances where uh, it absolutely did and probably exceeded expectations. I mean, the game went to, to double overtime. You had Oklahoma take an early commanding lead. And I think this whole game changed at the end of the first half when Oklahoma was up 31-14, had just scored, and then with about, I don't know, it was like 20-something seconds left, went to squip kick, missed the kick. Georgia recovered it at like midfield. Completed one pass, and then their kicker made a 54-yard field goal right at the, as half uh, expired to make it a two-score game, 31-17, and seized momentum. And then the the beginning of the third quarter, and Oklahoma was starting with the ball to start the second half. Georgia three and out outed them four out of the first five times, scored... Got the game tied. Then you had Sony Michelle with the fumble, and Oklahoma returned it for a touchdown, which seemed to be almost a death knell. Only because to get a defensive score was at the time seemingly so huge because no team could really stop the other team. I mean, yes, I understand Georgia had stopped them a bunch of times, but they hadn't stopped them. Obviously, in the first half, they had much. The defense played much better in the second half. But to get a defensive score for Oklahoma, it's almost like stealing. You're playing with the house's money there. But there was a ton of time left, and Georgia came down the field and scored. Then they get the blocked. Then they held Oklahoma to a field goal in the first overtime, made their own field goal, and then they blocked the Oklahoma field goal attempt in the second overtime. And then Sony Michelle, who had had a great game other than that fumble, took it in from about twenty yards to to, to win the game. Just a tremendous game. I mean, really, it's a cliche. I get it. But really, one of those games where you're sorry somebody had to lose that game. It was so well played. Uh, Both coaches classy both in in victory and defeat. Kirby Smart, I really like what he's done at Georgia. We talked about him early in the season. You know, this is only his second year there. Uh, You know, he came from Alabama. He's a UGA alum. We talked about the fact that Mark Richt, when he was the head coach of Georgia, you know, got them to be a very good team but could never get them over the hump. Well, Kirby Smarton, very short order here, has gotten Georgia over the hump, playing for a national championship in only his second year with a true freshman at quarterback, by the way, Ethan Frump, who is a, a very poised freshman quarterback. They've got the two-headed monster in the backfield with Chubb and Michelle. And you can even throw Swift in there occasionally. And then a very good defense led by Roquan Smith, the linebacker who makes a ton of plays. Who would look very good in the Honolulu Blue and Silver next year. So just a tremendous game. And look. Baker Mayfield, I don't think he hurt himself really any. I thought he played pretty well. Obviously, not as well in the second half as he did in the first half. Um, But he certainly is not the reason why they lost that game. And, you know, it's interesting. There's going to probably be a lot of mixed opinions about him when it comes to the draft. Um, You know what team I can absolutely see drafting him? Patriots. End of the first round right let him sit now you know for what probably another couple years behind brady i mean would that just be such a patriots thing to do now i don't dislike mayfield as uh, the way a lot of other people do i can see why he rubs people the wrong way i get it for some reason and generally i don't like guys like that for some reason it, it doesn't bother me i feel like it's 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 authentic uh, some of these guys, I feel like it's a little forced. I think he genuinely is just kind of like that. Um, now, he's going to have to probably tone it down some. But, I mean, that would just be a perfect place for him to go is the Patriots, right? The team that everybody loves to hate except if, you know, you live in New England. And then he could go sit there for two years and learn at the at the feet of the master. And then be, you know, a ready-made stud. Uh in a couple of years. I'd be interested to see if that actually happens. That's my prediction, though. All right. That is it for tonight's show. Thank you for bearing with me with the horrible voice. As always, thank you for listening. Check us out on iTunes, on Facebook, Twitter, at Jamal about sport and OS. Uh, We've got football Saturday. We've got football Sunday. We've got the national championship on Monday, so we'll be back next Tuesday to break it all down. Until then, peace out.